You're listening to the Della Darling Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Dara. We're taking Dara's love of telling people's stories, Emily's love of attending events, and our mutual love of the first date, and highlighting the best people to meet, places to go, and things to do that Delaware has to offer. Hello, everyone. Dara and I are here recording in the Della Darling studio, but we're going to be leaving shortly to head over to Ellen Durkin's studio. Ellen is a blacksmith, and she actually is known as the Iron Maiden Forge, and she actually creates like couture metal fashion. I'm really excited to go over there and meet her and see her work because Emily is a friend of hers, but I, I've never met her um, and I've never been to one of her shows. So I think this is going to be um, a little bit different on the podcast as well. We have done some like sort of live podcasting, but this will be um, our first field trip. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, you know, Ellen's such an interesting person and, and the premise of metal fashion to me is so interesting. And as I was sort of getting ready for this interview, I was reading more and more about the various um, runways that her creations have been on. And like she's been in Fashion Week in Australia and she's she's had her pieces and her art on several major runways and in major shows across the world, mm -hmm. not just, you know, local to Delaware, but we're so lucky that she's a Delawarean. Mm -hmm. I think that gets back to something that we've mentioned on the podcast a couple times is that you're never totally sure of the amazing talent that may be around you. And of course, like maybe you know locally, but you don't know what they've done on a national or international level. Um, and I happened to be doing an interview for Sanctions at Delaware Theatre Company last week. And kind of in passing, this is not something like the playwright would mention in his like top favorite things that he is most proud of um, in terms of like the theater world. But he sort of offhandedly commented that, Emily, you're going to love this. He was the writer for Cedar Cove, the Hallmark series. <gasps> yes! Obviously, my mother watched it. I was still living at home at the time when it first aired. And so I watched the first season. But the, the problem I found, unfortunately, was that um, nothing really happened. The entire show was just people walking down the street talking to each other, which, don't get me wrong, is very pleasant. But a show it does not make. Well, that's Hallmark for you. Um, but if you want to get a little taste of a local playwright, um, go to Delaware Theatre Company. It's the same playwright who also, perhaps more notably in, in the theatre community, did White Guy on the Bus a few years ago, which actually transferred to an off-Broadway run right after um, appearing at DTC. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's so interesting. Actually, a lot of the shows that come to DTC, it's one of their sort of trial runs before they go to Broadway mm -hmm. or off Broadway. And I think that's something people don't realize is that before a show goes to New York, it is often performed in one or two other smaller cities with sort of smaller art scenes where they can sort of test out actors and actresses, test out production components and things like that. And DTC has a lot of those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times you're actually seeing, you know, 90% of the cast that will be in the Broadway production when it premieres. And so that's really something special, I think, that we have here in Wilmington. Mm -hmm. So no plans for it to go to Broadway or off-Broadway now, but if you want to check it out and see what's going on, it is premiering um, this weekend and running through the end of the month. And one of several uh, theater activities that I have on my calendar. I'm September is becoming a very theater heavy month for me. 
Yeah. Um, you know, this summer I felt like was the summer of music for me. I was constantly at a different event, a different festival with live music, all kinds of things. And I think it's nice to get to sort of some live theater and some other things throughout this fall and winter. And there are great indoor activities for those of you who are looking for a place to keep warm, maybe have a glass of wine and a snack, gather with friends. Those are always great. Mm -hmm. So I know when we were coming up with our summer bucket list, uh, we were talking about stretching out summer for as long as we could, um, you know, really ending it on the official end date of summer, which, or first day of fall, which is sometime the, the 20th. It's the end of September. It's somewhere around the 20th. Um, but I have to admit, and I think you might feel the way, same way too, um, I, I'm ready for fall. I'm ready for a new season. I think that summer I had a lot of fun. I did a lot of stuff. Um, but there were parts of it that were just really exhausting. And I'm just, I'm ready for a, a new start, something different. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I love fall. First off, you get to pull out your like warm and cozy clothing, which for most people consists of, you know, sweaters and sort of their fleece leggings. And for me, it includes those things as well. But you know, my favorite fall and winter item of clothing, right? I don't. The red polar tech sack. Have you not seen this? I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, well, my friends typically will say that, like, you know that I'm dating somebody and it's gotten serious when they have seen me in the sack. <laughs> um, and the, they love the joke, but it's this thing that L.L. Bean made in the 90s, and my mother bought it, but of course she doesn't use it anymore, so I have it. And it's a Polar Tech onesie. Oh, my God. But there are no legs. There are just holes at the ankle. And so it's like a big potato sack. Oh, my God. But it's bright cherry red and Polar Tech, and it's amazing. I don't think I've had the pleasure of seeing you in this. Well... Maybe one day you will. I was going to say that maybe it was the uh, the matching vests that you had with Don't you have like matching herringbone vests or something or plaid vests? Well, Nutmeg? Nutmeg and I, Nutmeg and I, we do love puffy vests, but you know, Nutmeg has actually outgrown most of her vests. Really? Because, well, everybody told me she was going to be a very tiny dog mm -hmm. and she is not a large dog by any means. You can hear her. She's chasing her tennis ball while we record. It's a little frustrating, but that's her mood today. Um, but she is like two to three times as large as everyone told me she would be. And so in the first couple of years when I bought her cute clothes, she has outgrown all of them. But oh, no. we'll replace her, her puffer vests. I also need a fall wardrobe update. Uh, so what are some of the things that you are looking forward to doing um, this fall, either with or without nutmeg? Well, with Nutmeg, I'll be making chili. Um, it's one of Nutmeg's favorite activities. She likes to sit in the kitchen and watch me while I chop and cook. So we'll definitely be doing that. I like to throw pumpkin, just a mm. can of pureed pumpkin into my chili. It helps to make it nice and thick. And I think it adds, you know, some nutrients. You get some squash in your diet without it feeling mm. like you're forcing yourself to eat a ton of vegetables. So that's always good. And then my other favorite thing I love to do in the fall is I like to go to the apple orchards and pick armfuls and armfuls of apples and then come home and make apple pies and applesauce. I just saw a recipe for apple empanadas you can make in an air fryer. And I have been thinking about getting an air fryer. Ooh. So I'm feeling like this may be the perfect opportunity. I did have one fall I was with you and a couple friends, and we made pumpkin empanadas and watched Hocus Pocus, and it was great. Yes. we. I always watch Hocus Pocus. I've watched it two times thus far this year. What? 
I watched it twice this weekend. <laughs> it was it was rainy and it was a little bit colder. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to turn my air conditioners on. Um, so, you know, it was sort of nice to sit with Nutmeg and, and watch that Bette Midler. Really nice. It's a little humid today and I would like it to be cool again. It is. I think we've got a week or two and it's going to really start to cool down. I hope so. Um, How about you? What are you looking forward to? I was just thinking that it has been a while since I have been to the meadery over in the liquid alchemy alchemy in Ellesmere in Ellesmere um and I did see that they had some sort of promotion a few weekends ago that they've been doing like different stuff with ice cream combinations um but I'm still up for ice cream even though it's going to be fall um never a bad season for that but yeah some sort of like um Apple cider. I'm hot, sure cold, that they're going to do some kind of like cinnamon mead. Mead. Yeah. yeah, I can't imagine they won't. I think they love to like embrace the seasons mm-hmm. and really um, create sort of unique beverages for all to enjoy. Mm-hmm. And also talking about ice cream, I have been having a little bit of a craving for pumpkin ice cream from Woodside somehow Woodside hits us every season and I think one of the places where I always end up getting this is at the um the Harvest Moon Festival over at Coverdale Farm yeah I don't think I've ever been to the Harvest Moon Festival but you know who doesn't love festivals and who doesn't love all things fall so it's definitely something good to check out it kind of checks off a couple boxes because like you're outside it's fall there are different art vendors different food vendors um usually there's some sort of extremely easy hay maze that you can go through uh, but it's still a maze and it's still fall yeah I love that I I um that was a big thing when I was in college there was a farm near Bucknell and they they did the hay maze and all the all that stuff and so um it's really nice that we have places like that that we can go to here where is your favorite place to go apple picking so I grew up going to Milburn which is just over the line in Maryland um and then last year was the first year I've gone to Lynn Villa, which is sort of over the line in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So in the other direction, more towards Philadelphia. Um, my And I'm trying to be careful because I have been to Milburn basically a minimum of once a year for the last 20 years of my life. And I have been to Lynn Villa once. And so I have a much broader analysis of Milburn than I do of Lynn Villa, but I like Milburn a lot better. Okay, well, maybe we should try a Delaware Orchard this year. I've heard a lot of good things about Pfeiffer Orchards in Camden, Wyoming, but I have not been there myself. Me either. Um, You know, sometimes I'm not as good about going downstate when there's something that just time-wise is a little bit closer in Maryland or Pennsylvania, but I think it's great that we have so many options sort of in this tri-state area, but also in Delaware and, and especially down in Kent and Sussex counties where... We just have sort of different activities and things going on. And one of the things that we have been talking about doing sort of outside of the Wilmington, Newark area has been um, the mini Ladybug Festival that's coming up in Milford on the 22nd. Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, the Ladybug Festival is this all-women music festival that Wilmington's been putting on for the last few years. This year, it's gotten a lot of notoriety, um, especially in the music world, because it's an all-women festival. And you know, Coachella and uh, Firefly and sort of all the major music festivals, they don't actually have 
they definitely don't have women as the headliners and they mostly don't have women even as solo artists performing. They're just sort of, you know, in bands, that kind of thing. So it's great that the Lady Book Festival is showcasing women who are so talented and that they're expanding and that they're sort of doing a second Ladybug Festival and starting to expand their reach and their audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first Ladybug Festival of the season came up um, July 20th, 21st in Wilmington, and then this one will be just one day. Um, and we there are a couple things on the calendar for the 22nd. There's also Oktoberfest, which is a pretty big Delaware fall activity. It's definitely a Delaware fall activity. I've only been to Oktoberfest maybe two or three times. And I remember the first year I went, I learned about the cup stacking. So for those of you who have been, you know that they serve all the Oktoberfest beer in plastic, you know, like souvenir cups. And um, it's a whole thing. Basically, tables of people within the tents will start to stack the cups into these like elaborate like beer pong type pyramids and stuff. And um, I'm not coordinated enough to participate in this, but it gets really cutthroat. I mean, I ended up seeing like people were hauled out after brawling over, you know, the one kid bumping somebody else's table and knocking over their cup pyramid. So... Enjoy building the cut pyramid, but also be warned, it is very competitive and it is not for noobs. Of course, since it's fall, we need to do something spooky. Uh, and one of the things that I've enjoyed doing a couple of the past falls uh, has been the Shakespeare Poe and Fiends reading for Delaware Shakespeare Company Festival. Delaware Shakespeare, well, it's Del Shakes. Del Shakes. For Del Shakes. Del Shakes, um, which they do at different locations around Delaware. One of them uh, is Old Newcastle. Uh, I saw, I can't remember the entire list, but I think they're also going to be down like in the Odessa area um, at different kind of like spooky historic locations um, and doing readings from Shakespeare, Poe, um, some other kind of gothic horror readings yeah so we went oh this was probably three or four years ago we went down to the george reed house Mm -hmm. in old newcastle and we sat in the parlor and they did readings from poe but they also did um the the intro to macbeth where you have the three witches Mm -hmm. and sort of the famous toil toil boil boil toil and trouble (laughs) close that line (laughs) very close my shakespeare is not great guys um, but yeah, it's really fun. And, you know, again, it, it's a nice evening out and a good thing to do with friends and, and just something light and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And then we've also seen that there are a couple ghost walks around. Like there, I know that there's one down in Dover. I think there may be one in, in Newcastle as well. Yes. Um, but there are a couple other options if you want to walk around and be scared. Yeah. And I think Old Swedes Church even does one. So that's definitely something to look into. And, you know, it's definitely that time of year where you can sort of walk around mm-hmm. at night and, and sort of get that ghostly feeling and hearing stories about the ghosts of Delaware past. Mm-hmm. I should probably admit that on the other side of the spooky spectrum, I've never been to Frightland. Have you? Um, I have been to Frightland to run a mud run. <laughs> that counts, sure. I've never been to Frightland as an activity. Um, I, to be honest with you, it's definitely like a big high school date type activity. But when I was in high school, the guy I dated for a few years was away at school for a lot of the time we were dating. So he wasn't here necessarily in the fall. 
So I guess that would be one of the reasons I never really went in high school. Honestly, I'm okay that I haven't been to Frightland and I don't really plan on going to Frightland anytime soon. But maybe some of our listeners like to do that. And if so, that's okay. Yeah, Frightland is a great thing that we have and sort of, you know, one of the closest things we have to an amusement park in Delaware and... Um, you know, same idea. It's nice to go out and hang out with your friends and do something fun and sort of seasonal. I did one time get to go up to Lancaster County and do like a behind the scenes article on um, like a Frightland-esque place there. Mm -hmm. So if anyone ever wants to talk about like the inside, behind the scenes, you know, how they get those creepy smells in and, uh, you know, walls that shock you and other things like that, I, you know, I find that fascinating. I just... Don't really need to go there again. Yeah, I love seeing the behind the scenes um, of all kinds of things. You know that I religiously read Reality Steve, so I get all the behind the scenes scoop on The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. So everybody loves sort of that sneak peek and and hidden hidden stuff. And now we get to check out our own behind the scenes for this episode um, and go visit Ellen's studio. Yeah, the Iron Maiden Forged Fashion Runway Sneak Peek. Hi guys, thanks for hanging in with us. We're now in Ellen Durkin's studio. We're so excited to be chatting with her and sharing that conversation with you. So we have been connected to Ellen through a friend of mine that I used to work with, Jess, who is involved in the art scene in Delaware. She models, her boyfriend Joe is a photographer. Many of you know him as the official portrait photographer of Nutmeg, but he is also Ellen's main photographer for her art. So that's an exciting connection, and we're, we're so excited to be sharing, you know, sort of her journey toward forged fashion with you. So Ellen, could you tell us a little bit about where we're standing right now? Uh, we're standing in my blacksmith shop, which is in the garage. And what is some <laughs> of the equipment that we have here? Uh, so I have a forge, and I have an anvil, and then I have... Um, like various other metal equipment. I've got a tire hammer, not like that means anything to most people. I have a 2,500 pound table in here. That's more complicated to move. So I think that usually like when I picture Forge, this is not what I picture. Like I actually picture more like um, a reenactment type event occurring at maybe a historical property. Oh yeah. Right, I think, I think when most people think blacksmith, that's sort of the only type of blacksmith they think still exists in 2018. Or forged in fire. Yes, yes. So tell us, how, how did you come to be a blacksmith? Uh, I started working in metal in grad school. Um, I started building these uh, wearable structures that were stationary, and I wanted them, I wanted to be able to put women inside of them, but they started off as these big dress cages. And for my graduate thesis, I think I had six pieces with women, like, very precariously inside them. So they were kind of trapped up in these pieces, which were not very structurally sound at the time. And... Um, during my thesis show, my one model passed out, and that's my friend Shanna, who I'm doing the show with in the Delaware Contemporary. Okay, so, okay. So I it, it all, her, and yeah. now we're friends. <laughs> well, that's how best friendships start, I guess, right? Wow. So did you see that as, like, fashion or clothing or some sort of sculpture? Like, what, you called it a, a structure? Is yeah, that- I um. I didn't think of it as fashion because I didn't get into, like, the fashion, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. side of things till after I got into the metalworking side of things. Cause I've never been a fashion person. Like I don't really know what's 
mm-hmm. happening in the fashion world. And then once I started getting into like the uh, fashion aspect, I did a couple runway shows, like a traditional one. I really didn't like the traditional aspect of it, where they just send them down the runway to like kind of like dance music almost. And uh, I started doing these performance runway pieces, which were much more uh, what I was looking for. And then I found a lot other designers like Alexander McQueen and like Iris Van Herpen, probably destroying her name. But they do these really beautiful performance pieces, which are much more of something that like I want to do than just uh, buy my stuff. Here it is, because I don't really I don't sell any of the stuff that goes down the runway for the most part. Right, but you do you do make jewelry and sell jewelry, correct? I do. I do have a jewelry line. Um, it's usually between like forty and like hundred and some odd dollars. But uh, I wouldn't consider myself a jeweler. Right, right. It's, it's more just... like smaller stuff that people can be like, "Ooh, I can take that home, or I can buy that, and it's nice." No, I think a lot of artists. That's uh, a lot of people like to have sort of a piece of the artist or the art or the show that they can take home. And you know, Dara and I always talk about. Um, it's so nice, obviously, when you can find something that you appreciate, but it's also great when you can find something that you appreciate and, and can, can use. <laughs> well, and can use, right? So, you know, I do have art in my home, but I'm only at my house, you know, for so many hours a day. Things like earrings or, or jewelry, like, you can wear and you can show off to other people and you can really enjoy so much more sometimes. Yeah. So I do you have any other artists in your family? Uh, everyone in the family is mostly like musicians. Uh, my uncle was a painter. Um, I went to art school and then uh, all my other siblings, like they were really into music, but they decided not to try and major in it because it's impossible to try and survive in. And they were like, I don't want to be drowning like Ellen, so. What, um, what medium did you start in? Was it like? I started doing ceramics when I was 11 or 12. Okay. So you've always sort of been on the sculpting side rather than like painting or I something I just did else. drawing. I did drawing. I did painting. I did a lot of different things. I still draw. There'll be some of my drawings up at the, the show on Friday. Yeah, so for those of you who have not heard about it, the RH Gallery in Hokessen is actually hosting a really cool sort of um, joint artist event. Kristen Margiotta. Margiotta? Yeah, something like that. Something like that. One of those pronunciations um, is is I guess sort of headlining the show, and yeah. she she did drawings of the various artists who have inspired her. And you guys are also showcasing your art, which can be photography drawings for you. It, it's sculpture. Yeah, she did a series of like paintings from life that were a couple hours long each session for each person, and then each person that she did a painting of was invited to show a piece of their work so it'll be like a it should be a pretty cool dynamic in there yeah I think it's so great and it'll showcase a lot of really great Delaware artists sort of all coming together and being a supportive community what work will you have in that show uh, I have a large-scale drawing that I did of Jess which just came down from the Delaware Art Museum oh yes I had forgotten you you've been in the art museum for the last month or two correct you've had a couple I don't know a couple, couple months, months. Couple months. I don't remember. They call me and they're like, come get your stuff. And I'm like, okay, I guess it's over now. <laughs> so the life of an artist is not as glamorous as no, one would think. No, I just spent an hour and a half cleaning six inches of water out of the trunk of my car. Yeah, there's there's <laughs> been a lot of rain. I know um, I showed up to my construction site on Monday morning and I was supposed to review the environmental compliance. And I was like, it's, it's a pond. How do you determine if sediment is leaving 
I don't know. It's a it's pond. It's in my car. It's in my yeah. car. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, nothing is compliant. I don't know how to judge this. So this, this rain the last week or so has just been crazy. Is there anything that you're working on right now for one of the upcoming shows or like how long is your process and that like what you're working on like today, this week? It when all we depends done? on how much time I have and then like how crazy I get. Cause I'll start pieces and then they might sit for a bit because I'm not ready to finish them and I don't want to put them in the wrong piece. Like I have like, uh, like a chasing repose heart that I did out of copper that's like backed with steel and it's going to sit in like the belly of a corset. I just haven't, um, designed the right piece for it. I don't want to put it in a piece just cause I want it to be finished. And by heart, I'm looking at it now and it's like an anatomical heart. Yeah. Not Right, it is. It is the muscle heart, yeah. not not a Valentine's Day <laughs> yeah. heart. No, we we don't do cute. <laughs> we don't do cute. I like that. Um, and what is the other thing that you have there? Oh, this is a face piece, and this has a double hinging door on the front. And this is also chasing refuse. It's done the same way out of the copper, and it's all raised out of one piece. So there's a face here that I did from uh, basically observations. So I used a mirror, and then I carved it out of the your face cover yeah okay so this is a self-portrait in yeah. sculpture okay interesting so i'm looking at it and it has like a leather base that would go around the neck yeah so it unlaces and it has then like a lace up the back almost like a corset for your neck yeah and then you put it on it has these really cool grommets those are garments, right? Yeah. I'm not using right. words that aren't real. Yeah, and actually, Ellen, <laughs> I saw, I guess it was on your Instagram maybe, sort of the, the process, the video of you placing the grommets and, and hammering them into place. Yeah, I try and show process videos for people, and I try and show, um, like, how I develop things and not just, like, a finished, like... A finished product. Thing. Mm -hmm. Is it he so you're wearing it now? Is it heavy? It's not heavy. It's just restrictive. Mm -hmm. Well, right. It's essentially a neck corset yeah. with a mouth mask. Yes. It's like half of a knight's shield to me. Well, yes, yes, yes. It's it's exactly like a helmet from a knight, but the forehead and um, headpiece is a little bit missing. It only protects your mouth. <laughs> so it's kind of like scary and beautiful to me at the same time. Is that what you were looking for in this? The scary beautiful or kind what kind of kind? subconsciously i guess i've been building these like uh these face restrictions they've been in my drawing since probably 2008 um sometimes it takes a little while for it to kind of come out in the work like this piece behind me that's uh like forged tree branches in jess's drawing that i just did hers has like this kind of like cradling of branches in the very bottom of the drawing and then in her in, in another part of the drawing in her like headpiece there's like a branches so kind of themes go back and forth between the drawings and the sculpture mm -hmm. so you mentioned that you do a lot of like the behind the scenes sort of videos what do you hope people see in those i kind of just want people to uh, either be like inspired or interested or just like oh, that's how you do it, so maybe help somebody out. Because I get messages like, oh, I didn't know that was, I didn't know how to do that. Um, and then I give them some more information about it. Like I had someone message me about they were riveting, uh, what was it? They were riveting something together, and I suggested these other type of rivets. And they are like, yeah, that's way easier. Because then I was like, yeah, I did the same thing that that guy did. But 
if you just like share your information, you're not like. Right. Yeah. I actually can think of a photo that Joe took of you and Jess. Now it's probably two or three years old, but Jess is in costume and makeup and the whole thing, not costume, but in your art and makeup and laying on a table and you're sort of standing over her. Yeah. And you're standing over her with like this look, this sort of like, (laughs) yes, this dark look of glee and um, just the lighting and everything. It's exactly what it looks like is Dr. Frankenstein standing over his monster. And it's, and (laughs) well, that's what when we, when we started the total essence, right? Like nobody's, nobody's dressed up as Frankenstein. You don't have on a lab coat. You're wearing a black t-shirt I think I mean yeah but uh that was part of the series that we did for Jess's uh her her to follow her cancer treatments so we wanted to not just shoot the work we wanted to shoot kind of like the the evolution of the work with Jess so like she's not wearing like full pieces she's wearing like uh like the boob cups that she was wearing were like kind of like clamped together with like a C clamp so it was like kind of under construction kind of thing so I was like, Joe, I have this crazy idea for a shoot. And I'm, it was freezing in here. So we had to try and put like a yoga mat on the table, but then hide the yoga mat because the table is six inches thick of steel and it's freezing in here. And yeah. Jess is tiny. She is a tiny person. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that was, you know, it was such a great shoot because it showcases your art. It showcases Joe's ability. And, and like I said, I mean, it's a total like aura and essence of the photo that comes out. And it's just so special. Mm-hmm. How often are you doing collaborative work? I collaborate, uh, mostly Joe is my main photographer guy. And then if anyone else wants to like photograph, I'm very particular. Not in like a rude way. I'm just particular as to like who I want to work with because there's so many people out there that message me and are like, yeah, I want to do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, eh. And then I only model if like basically Joe's taking the photos and then I do like another like pin up series with Rick Fran. But, like, that's pretty much, I don't. Expand beyond that with photographers, yeah. Not personally, really, unless I mm-hmm. think there's something, like, special, unique there. Mm-hmm. So now Joe's kind of, like, stuck with me. And I'm like, hey, I have this crazy idea for a shoot, like, when we suspended the But, you know, table. Joe loves that. Because yeah. Joe also has crazy ideas for shoots, and he gets excited, I the, think, to make them happen. Well, the underwater, the one where I was in the metal underwater, like, that was a last-minute decision. Like, yeah. They were like, come over, we're shooting Jess underwater. And I was like, I'm going to bring a metal piece. And I was like, I might drown, but whatever. So my question with that, right, is you're taking art that I think of, honestly, I look at it and think it's like couture fashion, right? And you're putting it in water and it's metal. And all I can think is, oh my gosh, the rust, like it ha- does it get damaged or are you very particular it's, about um, the, it? was a copper piece that's an old piece. And I kind of wanted to, to get to like... Uh, almost give it like a goodbye because I'm done showing it. Mm-hmm. It was a farewell. Yeah, because the piece has show. been shown a bunch and it's been like abused and it's been like, it's been beat up. Like these pieces get beat up. They're not like pristine things that stay in like perfect condition. So it was a retirement photo shoot. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But like the everything that's worn, you can see where it's worn or where it rubs. And like I'm not opposed to that. Like it's just it's just part of the process right right so you're making these pieces and then potentially they're being photographed and then potentially they're being retired at what point like do you think about like the journey or the lifespan of your art or when does it feel done for you like is it when the piece is done is it when you've done like some sort of collaboration is it when you've shown it like what what does it look like for you um right now it's kind of when I build all the pieces and then I get to see them all together 
with people right. inside of them. Like, I make them, and then I'm like, ooh, that's cool. And then, like, shooting it, I'm like, yeah, that's neat. But then when I get to see it, like, on the runway or, like, it active, I'm like, mm-hmm. yes. Does it ever, like, take on a life of its own or look differently, different than you expected? It looks different depending on who wears it, which sounds crazy, which is why I try and pick, like, the right people for the right pieces because, like, not only do you not want to put something um, – like really big on like a smaller girl or like just a personality thing like if someone doesn't have the personality to like own the piece and they kind of look like they're struggling in it like I don't want to put them in that because it's not going to look good for anybody and Mm -hmm. it's not going to make them feel like strong do you know everyone who wears your pieces not all the time I have like a regular crew of girls that I work with but when I do other shows um I don't. Sometimes I get, like, headshots mm-hmm. and, like, sizes, and that's it. And I'm like, eh, I hope they're durable. <laughs> do they come to you, like, through a professional agency? That, like, how do you um, find them? I've done enough runway show things in between here and, like, New York where if I have a model that I like or, like, people contact me and want to walk for me, and if I think they're, like, a good fit, I'll, like, contact them again. They use mm-hmm. them again and again. Yeah, I know Jess is one of your one of your. Yeah, babes. Jess is my go-to. Demara, Demara's um, she's one of my like regular girls. I know she's like super durable and she like rocks it on the runway. Mm-hmm. But like everyone has their own like presence in the pieces. Yeah, I totally get that. I know I've seen you have at least one like Elizabethan style collar. Yeah. Right. And I always see that have seen that piece and thought, oh, my gosh, like you, you do. You have to have the right personality to wear like this metal, I mean, cone, really. Yeah. And it's it's beautiful. Hmm. And then Emily mentioned to me earlier that you've done some international shows. I think she mentioned Australia. Yeah, I did. Done, I, I've done some like major fashion. I flew to Australia and I packed a bunch of my skirts and I told them it was sporting equipment when I traveled. You told them it was sporting equipment. I told them it was sporting equipment. Like the airlines. Now, I what? told the airlines it was sporting equipment. Now, why? <laughs> Fencing, maybe? I'm try- No, I, I'm not even trying to justify what type of equipment. I just want to understand, like, what was the reason? Is it, is it contraband material? Well, it was too big and awkward. So, like, anytime I tried to call to get anything, they're like, oh, you have to ship it. And shipping it was $8 million. Like, right. Like, paying more for it to be sporting goods is already $8 million. But it was like... But I uh, brought things with me, and then I walked up to the desk, and I, like, started to read the people at the desks, and I was like, nope, 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 and I'm like, that guy, I'm going to that guy, and I was like, you guys can go, because I was, like, watching their mannerisms, and I was like, I, and I had this, like, awkward-looking bag, and he's like, what is it, and I was like, oh, it's sporting equipment for a show, and he just, like, looked at me, and I smiled at him, and I was like, I called ahead of time, and they reassured me that it would be fine, and I just looked him dead in the eye, and he was like, okay, and I was like, God. and I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't clear this with anybody. But, you know, if you go in confident enough, you can make anything happen, right? That's so true. Like, so you've done that, and then you've done a number of shows um, here in the U.S. and a ton in Delaware, and you have one coming up at the end of the month. Yeah, uh, Shannon Warwick and I are doing a two-person fundraiser show at the Delaware Contemporary, September 29th, uh, 7 to 10. Tickets are $65 until the 15th, and then they go up to 70 and they're 80 at the door. 
Um, we have aerial performers for the night opening the act and like so aerial performers like Cirque du Soleil, yeah, like yeah, silk yeah. dancers. Wow, yeah, they're gonna do crazy things. And then my friend Chris Gordon wrote and uh, composed all the music for the show. So there's like over fifty minutes of original composed music for the show. Wow. Okay. So nothing that people have seen before, it sounds yeah. like. So that's exciting. And then there's fancy VIP tickets with a champagne toast. I don't know who likes champagne, but... Well, we like champagne. We drink a lot of champagne. <laughs> um, oh, we, we drink more Prosecco. We drink champagne. more Prosecco. To be honest, it's better. Cause well, it's more cost-effective. Champagne tastes like dirt. Yeah, we're just being <laughs> economical. It's more cost-effective. So um, one other thing, Ellen... That like I've, I've heard so much from you, like, like in, about you in passing. And so you mentioned, like, you were at work today, and, you know, a lot of times your pieces, they happen when you have time, and so sometimes it's more than others. So I know that you are, you know, a woman of many talents and many endeavors. And so if I remember correctly, you're an adjunct at DCAD. Yeah, I teach at DCAD. I teach three classes at DCAD, and I teach continuing education classes there. And I work at a fabrication shop about 45 minutes from here a couple days a week. And I teach yoga. And um, so, so for our listeners who may want to come to your yoga class and see the Iron Maiden do yoga. Yeah, um, all crunchy with my spinal. Yeah, so you, which yoga studio do you work for? Empowered Yoga. Okay, and you're in the North Wilmington location? I'm in both locations, but right now I am in Wilmington, Monday night, 6 p.m. Okay, good. We will possibly check it out. We always like to have a good mm-hmm. good yoga class under our belts. Do you want to come get flexy? So would you say that you're, I think Emily and I can both relate to having a lot of different like hobbies and jobs. Um, would you say that everything you do, does that kind of like make you feel like whole? Like, are you doing them all out of passion or is this like what you do to make your artwork? Um, I do it to make my artwork. Like if it were up to me, I would still teach. Like, let's just say I was like a trust fund baby or something. All of a sudden I would still teach cause I like to teach and I would do my artwork. I wouldn't, I mean, I would teach yoga cause that's like here and there, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I wouldn't work at the fabrication shop. Um, I, during the summer, I teach blacksmith classes, and I do uh, demonstrations and stuff. Like, I was out in California a few times doing, uh, like, three-day demonstrations. So tell us more about your summer blacksmith classes. I saw on your website that you did some this summer, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that is so cool. We we love to take DIY art classes um, beyond, like, paint and sip level. We like oh, to yeah. actually be inspired, and so Make the something idea, cool. Yeah. Right, the idea that, like, get you get drunk would, and be like, I made this ugly thing to go in a bathroom. <laughs> I told you about that. I explained to her about, I was like, I don't want to do this paint and sip and just have another painting to hang in the bathroom. And then, and this was on, on air, so you guys are hearing this. It all comes full circle. And I looked at her with my mouth open. And I said, oh, my God. I did not think you had been in my upstairs bathroom because I, I have haven't. one I have one hanging there. Um, but, yeah, like, we, we – um, Everyone taken, knows not to invite me to those things. That's like, Ellen's like, that's just where, not. Yeah, I mean, I think – you know, we try to be careful because it's that idea of like for people who maybe are uncomfortable and don't really think they can create anything, it is the first step to acknowledging that you and can be an drunk. artist. 
and getting drunk, yes, and having a glass of wine while you do it. But we have done um, a few DIY events at the Brandywine River Museum, and so it's nice because they open you up to the gallery, and then whatever art you're creating is typically sort of inspired by yeah, the current like exhibit. Night. Exactly, and so we've done clay tile, um, like sculpting, really. We did a silk pillowcase painting class, and so we came home with something that we use, but is a new medium, something we aren't really normally exposed to, that kind of thing. And so I can imagine sort of the blacksmithing. Yeah, I mean, I have beginners. Be I have beginners take my class. I have people that are more advanced. Like everyone leaves with um, something completely different. Right. Like Where did it. you teach? Uh, this past summer, I was. I taught in Richmond. I was up in Rochester. Um, I was in Leighton, New Jersey at Peters Valley. Um, so somewhere else. When remember. you do these classes, do you actually do all of the coordination and marketing, or do you typically partner with like museums or other organizations? Usually, the they're run by like a craft center. So okay. the craft center either contacts me or I contact them, and then you teach like a, they anywhere between like a two day class or a five day. Okay. Day. So it's something we could we could look forward to happening in Delaware if we found the right yeah the right um, it was the right like venue and place like my shop's not big enough to have like an event here an yeah. event because like, everyone would be like super cozy with each other so but so you're doing like the craft school experience where like maybe people are staying the week yeah I would there. suggest if you want to get into something and uh, a lot of craft schools offer scholarships and you can also apply for like an assistantship so say you do have some like jewelry experience you could submit your portfolio to be like an assistant for the summer and stuff like that if you get your stuff in in time so there are opportunities you don't have to be loaded to do mm -hmm. classes I mean but right we want art to be accessible yeah. to everyone yeah so there are scholarships and stuff available mm -hmm. you just got to check out the whatever craft center you want usually you probably have to drive a couple hours but I would it's neat because you're away for five days and mm -hmm. you're kind of like in your own little world the immersive artist yeah. experience yeah you don't get this that is very what I often. Didn't mean. yeah I so so listeners I I think Dara's mentioned this before but last summer she spent some time at an immersive artist retreat I was at Haystack at Haystack. oh yeah. yeah yeah and I got I got a scholarship through my grad program like I never would have gone otherwise oh yeah and it was I was there as like a journalist learning about art and that like we could go and like be there for a week taking classes and just getting an understanding of like how it, how it works to be an artist and like how you create and I was doing a mixed media class which was like pretty entry level for me unfortunately by the time like I signed up I could not take like glass blowing or um, like wood carving because they were all fold up so I took a mixed media class but it was still it was a lot of fun and I've, I've kept in touch with some of the artists and they've shared like where they're showing or like what projects they're doing and it was it was yeah, a really you meet a lot of experience. cool people because yeah. generally the people that take classes out there, are, uh, I guess like like-minded mm -hmm. people. Yeah. Yes. Open. It's, open to creativity yeah, and the creative process. Yeah. So like my classes are probably a little different than some of the other ones because I don't have like a set. We're making X, Y, and Z. I base my classes in that, around making something wearable, and then I like maybe will isolate the class to making something for like your neck or your chest. So like uh, up in Rochester. I, last year I had a chick come in from LA like she flew in from LA for my class another girl drove in from Wisconsin and then this past year uh, one of the women in my class I think she was 60 um, uh, she came up from I want to say Tennessee or somewhere all the way up to Rochester I had a woman in my class at Haystack who was great. in her 80s and she'd driven up from New Jersey 
and like haystack is like on a cliff and you're like living in tents and cabins and she's like walking around in her comfortable like don't fall down shoes (laughs) and we all talked about how we ended up there and she said that she decided to come because it was time for her to do something that scared her and it was she she was was on an inspiration she was on an adventure yeah the woman in my class uh i think she her husband left her or something and then she was just like i'm just gonna do all the things whatever (laughs) i don't care and she made herself this really cool uh copper bustier and she did not have small boobs so these things were quite a feat to manage but she was well, like, I'm going to wear this. It. She was like, I'm going to wear it to my divorce hearing and then rip it off when I win. And I was like, can you please do that? Did anyone get a video? Can, I was can like, anyone send that video <laughs> to us? If you're listening, yeah. please do. It might be inappropriate. We might lose our iTunes rating. Well, we won't share. The, if you want to, if she you want, the we'll metal bustier. She's going to wear a normal shirt and then rip it off like Superman. Oh, okay. To show the bustier. Oh, so it'll be a very Wonder Woman yeah. moment. I like it. We like okay. that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was hoping that she'd do that. Is there anything that you've seen your students or, like, other artists create where you've just been like, damn, why didn't I think of that? Um, I don't really have – it's not so much, like, damn, why didn't I think of it at this point. I'm just like, wow, that's pretty neat. Like, how do I get, like – how do I, like, learn something from – What was that process them? and how can I well, incorporate that, that? And, like, how do I, like – because I – what I do isn't like, uh, it's not traditional one thing. It's like I take from a lot of different uh, places. So like I might borrow from jewelry techniques, metal techniques, uh, just I grab from a lot of different things when I see something that is like neat or inspiring, whether it's like fashion or like uh, like a wallpaper pattern. Like a lot of like my patterns that come out in like my jewelry cutting stuff are like based off like wallpaper or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so other than wallpaper, do you find any motifs that come through frequently? Like, obviously you showed us the, the plate that has the heart on it. Like, is that something that you find weaves itself into your work? The doing representational stuff isn't, it's more of like a new thing. Uh, it, same with my drawings. A lot of my big drawings are kind of like ambiguous. They were figurative, but they weren't directly a person. These last two drawings that I did of like Jess and I, were Jess and, and me, like we, it was us. So um, I think I'm putting more of the people in in the stuff and giving it like an identity instead of just being kind of like, oh, it could be anything, it could be whatever. So like that heart piece I started, I guess last year. And then the, the drawing that I have of me, the big self portrait, I started that a while ago and I it sat on the wall for a bit and then I figured out that it needed that heart piece like right here in like the chest but it took a little while to figure out what what it needed do you find that that happens a lot where you sort of get to a point where you feel like the piece is so close to finish but it's missing sort of that that one part that would be an x yeah. factor yeah so I don't I've learned to not just push through and put anything in it so like I really wanted to have that heart thing done for this show but like I know what I want to do with it is like it's not ready right right so you like to hold on to it until you really yeah, feel like until I can do it justice yeah. and then I'll work on other things like I started this like a couple weeks ago the the forged uh, tree skirt 
which kind of came out of nowhere. Well, it didn't come out of nowhere because the branches showed up in the drawing, but in my head it came out of nowhere. Right. And then I think I've seen antler pieces before. I do. So tell us about that because we've talked a lot about sort of like the wearable stuff, but not as much about sort of like head pieces. Yeah, I do a lot of head pieces. The head pieces are kind of a pain depending on how I make them because I made a couple to my size head. Apparently my head is very small. I understand. So. I wear children's size, baseball hats, Yeah, but these helmets. models are tiny. And then I'm like, how is your head <laughs> bigger than mine? Yeah, that's crazy. So yeah, so tell us about your sort of like a headpiece process. Do you find that you design a headpiece that goes with maybe one of your, I guess, dresses? Yeah. I don't know that that's the right um, word. I design it based on like whatever patterns I'm using at the time. And usually that will like parallel whatever dress I'm working on and then they kind of end up going together because if you look through the pieces you can be like okay she was using these techniques here and then she moved on and moved these other techniques. So they're sort of made sort of in the same time. Yeah the same time. Of your art. Yeah yeah, so they all happen at the same time. The head pieces are a little bit tricky because uh, I like to make things really big so like balancing things. But a lot of big metal on your head. I can imagine, especially when you're doing runway and you're trying to really put a personality into it. Yeah, and they're like (laughs) awkwardly holding their things. Have you ever done or like felt like wearing one of your pieces to the grocery store and just seeing like what happens? I would, except for it's like a lot of work. To get get in hard to get in the car. Yeah, you can't get in the car. Oh, so you'd have to assemble yourself yeah, in the parking lot. Yeah. It's a lot of effort. Like, I'm not opposed to doing that. It's just, like, at this point in my life, like, effort versus, like, well, outcome I, is, like, uh. I would love to see, um, you know, like, flash mobs were such a big thing a few years ago. I would love to see, like, a flash art exhibit where you just decide, like. I wanted to do that at the Met, but I was like, will we get kicked out? I'm like, that would be fabulous. I mean, I'm thinking, like, Rodney Square, you know? Like, I think you have some options in Delaware where you could do things. The green at UD, you just, you know, one afternoon show up with all your models and and you hold your own little art exhibit. That's so much, so much work. We'll talk. Emily can organize it Jess can, yeah. yeah, Jess and I will coordinate it. Yeah, Joe, Joe will to... love seeing, like, the forged fashion in the wild. We did the forged fashion in the wild. We shot, we have shot outside many times usually it's eight million degrees yeah and your your runway show this month is forged fashion of nature yeah forged of nature forged of nature okay so tell us about that theme and how you guys came to that name so shanna works in like uh felting and she makes these really beautiful head pieces and these neck pieces and these skirts and they give my work a lot of volume so she has this like soft process and i have this obviously hard process and we've been talking about doing this collaboration for years. And I think it was um, the beginning of the year, we were like texting back and forth. And we we're like, this year, last year sucked. Last year can suck it. This year is not going to suck it. We just got to like, let's just do this. And then I was back and forth with the Delaware Contemporary because I've done two shows with them. And we work really well together and they deal with my crazy. And um, so it was a good venue for it. Plus, they wanted to do a fundraiser show which I believe they do a fundraiser every year, but they wanted to do like a fashion fundraiser. And I was like, just you give me the space. Let me just put this together. We'll make it, we'll make it all work. Um, so yeah, so I think we're, we're going to wrap up, but we heard so much and learned a lot from you and we're so excited to share it with people. So why don't we tell everybody where they can find you online? So website, social media. Website is ellendurkin.com and social media is at Iron Maiden Forge. 
that's where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks for chatting with us, Ellen. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Della Darling Podcast. If you want to follow us on social media, we are at Della Darling Pod on Instagram and Twitter and The Della Darling on Facebook.